So since the start of this podcast, we've mostly been talking about our stream of this prayer movement, which is kind of like the IHOP stream that you get the smaller houses of prayer as well, uh, like ours, where there's a lot of harp and bowl involved. Uh, But at the same time, there's another prayer movement that emerged at the same time as our stream, and that's the 24-7 prayer movement. And uh, today we have a guest on with us. Her name is Shira, and she's been part of both movements, actually. And she kind of gave herself to the leadership of 24-7. So we will be joining her in the conversation. And she just came back from a gathering in Belfast where they had an international gathering for the 24-7 movement. This is the Burning Rooms podcast. So about this theme song, we shortened it for the second season here. I know, people were like up in arms about the shortened I version. Know. So I don't know what to do. Do I just lengthen it a little bit? Yeah. I like the longer one. It it had more mood to it. Like getting... But before, people were saying, the intro. I feel like the intro is too long because they're waiting. I don't know. No, you you're never going to keep everyone happy. Yeah, please, everybody. It's, it's, so I'll do just... what you re- like and then pay attention to what they're saying. But if you like it, then go with it. So our listeners, if you don't like my shortened version of of the Burning Rooms theme song, uh, feel free to let us know. Uh, maybe we'll lengthen it, or maybe we'll just play it and talk over top of it so the whole thing plays out, and then you make everybody happy because you're getting to the content, you know. Why don't we just have it play the whole episode? That would be a <laughs> long jingle. 30 minutes of the Burning Rooms theme song. <laughs> So who's on today? But we uh, hold on. We we actually do have singing behind that theme song for those listening. When we're off air and we're kind of playing the theme song, we do sing along to it. We have a little bit of a theme song, so we might, oh, maybe we'll sing it for you one day. It'll be on that thirty-minute episode of just the Burning Rooms theme. Just us singing the Burning Rooms I for thirty minutes. I can't wait for it. It's gonna Sounds be good. We'll get like different people singing it too. <laughs> Anyway, back to the podcast. So welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Jaden. And today we are joined by our good friend Shira. Hello, Shira. Hi. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first found your way into this whole prayer movement? I found my way into the prayer movement, actually, like, I think probably many of you is I found myself at a one thing conference a long time ago. Is this a local one thing conference or like from uh, Kansas City? Were you down Kansas there? Kansas City. Yeah. It was actually just, I think, the year before the one that came to Winnipeg. So uh, that was like my first in on the prayer movement. And there was just something that the musicians captured. And there was something about, well, anyone who's been into any of their conferences, like the or in a prayer room, you can you know that it's it stirs your heart, and I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. And then I thought I would go down to Kansas City to do one of their internships, but the year that I decided I was going to do that, 
then they closed the borders for a couple months because they were reconfiguring their their internship. So then I had to reassess what I was going to do. So I ended up in Bible school here in Manitoba instead, and then got connected with Sanctuary House of Prayer. Very cool. So you got involved in Sanctuary House of Prayer. Where did it go from there? So I spent probably, I want to say it was like six or so years at Sanctuary. I stayed connected with my local church as well. So I kind of double dipped. Uh, while I was doing Bible school, because I couldn't go down to Kansas City, I created my own prayer room Bible <laughs> school <laughs> rhythm. Uh, and then when I graduated, while I was at school, actually, I just really loved the study of the scripture. And I was talking about it one day with my sister. And she was like, Shira, you enjoy that way too much. You should do a PhD, like, or you should do a master's. Like, people don't usually talk with this mm. much excitement about the papers you're writing. So maybe you should consider doing more school. And then that brought me out actually to Hamilton, Ontario, where I connected with Jill Weber and the her prayer community there. So tell us maybe a little bit about that prayer community and the 24-7 prayer movement. So they also started in the IHOP stream. They are almost, I want to say they just turned 18 years old this year. And IHOP's 20, so 18, that's pretty close. Yeah, so they've been doing it for a long time, and they started off um, through the prayer, through worship and singing, uh, but soon a lot of the the heart or the the call that God had put on Jill Weber and the community there was to support the local church, and the local church around them wasn't all charismatic. And so they had a lot of the people from the charismatic stream that really felt at home in their prayer room, but it wasn't a language that really uh, passed all of the different denominations they were coming in contact with. And so they started exploring what other prayer tools were out there, and then they came across 24-7. Specifically, they came across a book called Punk Monk by Andy Freeman, and it kind of just outlined their rhythm of life, of prayer, mission, and justice, and how that actually looked in the the way that they lived as well as the way that they prayed. And that began a journeying more into the 24-7 world and adopting that. like just the, And that really resonated with the churches that they were also meeting with and connecting with. Is that a book that, that's still out there and being used? or? Uh, yeah, I believe it's still being published. I know you can get it on Amazon. and so I don't know. Yeah, you can still get the book. We'll throw so. it in the show notes if, if we can find it. So can you tell us a bit what 24-7 prayer looks like then? Because what you're kind of describing is a bit of almost a parachurch organization where it's it's kind of a church, but it's kind of there to serve the other churches that are surrounding this sort of this center, this kind of building, this this movement. Can you kind of describe what that sort of looks like on a day-to-day basis? Well, the unique thing about 24-7 prayer is it is kind of adaptable. So they have like some core values that everyone who becomes a part of that family kind of adopt. And so they have the values of prayer, creativity, mission and justice, hospitality, pilgrimage, mission, and learning. So being lifelong learners as well. And so they carry those, all of those things Mm. as values that they want to live into, but each community or individual who kind of joins in lives into those in a unique way. And so in Hamilton, it was very much felt called to serve the church in the larger city. So it was a parachurch organization creating a third space that churches could come pray, uh, like pray in. For 24-7 International, when it started 20 years ago, actually the same week and month of IHOP, 
Pete Gregg always says that God sneezed on that day. (laughs) (laughs) And then wherever, yeah, and a lot of prayer just spread it up from there. He had connected with her, like uh, heard the story of Count Zinzendorf and Hernhut and how they had gone, done a hundred years of prayer. And then he visited it and it's a very quiet, boring town. You've been there yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. It is, it is quiet and there's not much going on. Poor reception everywhere, but like it's, you, it's saturated in prayer. But you're like, if they could do it, why couldn't we just do it for a month? And then he called churches to just do a prayer room in their churches and cover 24 like four hours or do it for a month and then it just kind of snowballed from there of people like signing up to do just take on different hours and people like sharing it so it was always a very shared thing across churches or across ministries or individuals did you find that that was helpful for the churches to kind of have a bit more of a neutral space where it wasn't like people's members were being stolen or there was sort of no turf wars? It's just like, here's a place where we can come and we can pray and we can kind of gather in, in unity around the vision of prayer. Like, was that helpful or? Uh, yeah. Well, and that also that working with pastors is something that also grew. Like most prayer rooms, they start off with a lot of inspiration. You have a lot of people around them as the years go on you lose a bunch of people because they go to the next thing Mm. and then you get like the core people who are doing it and i would say that for go hop working in hamilton like they didn't start off in hamilton they started off in the gta or like the larger greater ontario and they served the churches of that but then gradually god called them into hamilton so they started small Uh, it was probably at the 10 year mark that the churches really began to trust them because they had been steadfast for 10 years. They had been praying for pastors and leaders. So they would weekly, they had a prayer time where they prayed for the leaders of the city and they would invite the leaders in to pray over them. And so it was that 10 years of faithful praying for and with pastors that built a relationship of trust that people were like, oh yeah, we will send our congregants to you and not be afraid of them you sealing them because we've actually seen your track record. Mm. We see that you're for helping us disciple our people so that they can serve in our communities better. You're for us and not against us kind of thing. It takes time to build that trust. It's surprising that you say it would take 10 years, but at the same time, like to hear that there was that breakthrough and then there was that trust built, like that's so encouraging because it's supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be able to to interact and work together. And sometimes just some of the structures can cause that that friction that's not able to have that happen. So that's so cool that you actually were able to have that, even though it took 10 years, but you have that breakthrough. That's That's really yeah. cool to hear. Jill, actually, one of the prophetic words they got at the beginning is someone had actually said that you're not going to see fruit for 10 years. And oh some people goodness. some people were like, oh, that's not from the Lord. And they were like, that's not. We're going to rebuke <laughs> that. That's not God. But it was. It really was God's word to just stay steadfast in and out of season. And like, it was worth it. Like, And she went through a lot. Like, I came at just past the 10-year mark. So I okay. was like, in a sense, an ans- one of the answers to prayer to that community. But some of those before they crossed that threshold, it was hard. And you guys have been with Shop for a while. You know that some years are really great and some years are a little more slog- slogging. So you just came back from a gathering at Belfast. And I'm kind of wondering, why Belfast? What's special about that location? Uh, so they pick a different location every year. I don't always know why they pick it. And I don't always know if they know ahead of time why they pick it. I think they just pray into what doors. Uh, they just felt, though, that it was significant to be in Northern Ireland. 
they're just with all of the stuff with Brexit that was going on. Mm. I think they felt that that was really significant. Also, 24-7 has been doing a lot. Uh, God has been opening a lot of relational doors with the Catholic Church. And originally, I think they were planning on having one of the... No, Cardinal Schoenborn, who like lives in Vienna. Anyways, but he ended up not coming. I'm not exactly sure. He pro- He's pretty busy, but probably was visiting the Pope. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, they just felt like it was really significant to be in Belfast. And as we're talking about unity and cross, uh, cross streams, to be in a city where that hasn't always been a place of welcome for that and being standing on that ground and praying and blessing that nation. So how well re- represented was the gathering? Like how many people from how many nations uh, I know there was 29 nations represented. There was over a thousand people there, wow. though there's still room for a lot of diversity because I think a lot of those still come from England or like well, it's Western always countries. Cheaper if you're already there to pop on over, right? Yeah, yeah. the international mm-hmm. flights can be expensive if you're <laughs> coming from Canada. Yeah, but I mean, for me, I've been going. I went for the first time about I think five years ago. It was in Vienna, so that was pretty attractive to go there. But when you find your tribe and you find people who are doing the same thing as you and and have found inspiration or really feel God calling to them that to have a place to gather with them and feel at home and be re inspired by their stories. You guys mentioned that I've just relocated to Winnipeg from Hamilton. Not. A hundred percent sure what God's doing in that relocation just felt like that was me stepping out in faith and responding to something and stepping out of the boat into the unknown. And it was really cool to be with people from all over the world and hear that that's actually happening everywhere. And so you're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Because some days you're like, no, no, I'm not crazy. And then other days you're like, am I though? Like, you're like, did I hear God? And so it's just really cool and really encouraging and uplifting to come work together with people and just be like, oh yes, this is, this is why we're doing this. So are you hearing some of the same stories of of people that are relocating around in the movement or? Uh, Yeah. So uh, the last day of the conference, they did a commissioning service because Pete Gregg is actually changing his role for the last 20 years. He's been the, running a lot of the day-to-day stuff, even though that's not his like primary gifting or place of joy. And so after 20 years, they felt that God was shifting things and saying, releasing him to be travel more with the movement, do more like hands-on discipleship, do more writing and speaking, because that's what he's really good at. Another guy, Mike Andrea, is stepping into that role. But they, as they did that transition and we prayed for him and released him into the next thing and prayed for Mike and his him taking over some of that stuff, they asked everyone in the room who is either just entered a transition or felt God calling them in a transition to, to stand. And I would say three quarters of the room wow. stood. It always feels like he's transitioning us though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's quite the the same though as moving somewhere. Yeah, moving somewhere. Were you getting the feeling that the transitioning was like moving to a new location or start? A new role or something, right? Uh, Some, like, so there's me. I moved to a new city, still praying and um, in conversation about what God is doing in that. Jill Weber, one of my mentors, just moved to the UK a year ago. Uh, there's a guy that was doing 24-7 stuff in China and they got kicked, like they had to leave because of religious reasons and end up in the States. We're trying to get to another country because they felt God calling there, but then the visa wouldn't come through. So they're trying to figure out where they are. There's like another couple, like there's just people moving. They're actually moving. And then others are just changing roles. 
but there just really did seem to be this invitation to or some of the words they were using at the conference was like consecration and commissioning that commissioning doesn't always mean you're moving geographically. Uh, you, you don't want to assume that, but it was an invitation to really lean in and where is maybe God asking you to step out in faith. So what is that faith tension leading you into transition? It feels very similar to IHOP too. They, They've had a lot of transition over the last few years. Like a lot of the major worship leaders have gone on to take pastoral roles in other places. I mean, it seems like that's the way the Lord's moving the prayer movement. He's just spreading it out that way. So these gatherings in Belfast, how many years have they been doing them? Uh, Well, they do them pretty much every, well, every other year is technically the international gathering. And then the off years is the European or North American. So there'll actually be a North American gathering in Hamilton, Canada this coming June. Okay. Which Uh, you're all invited to. That sounds awesome. I would love to go. Is it often centered around a theme? Like IHOP, their one thing conference that they don't have anymore. But like, is there a theme that, or maybe a theme just emerged when you were there? Uh, I think the theme was rising tide or something about rising. And the theme actually that I noticed, so the transition theme was there, but there was actually two speakers uh, that picked uh, Ezekiel 47 as their one of their core speaking uh, mm. verses, unknowing to each other. And so there was like a a pastor that we invited in who leads a a huge church in London. It's a part of a huge African church and they pray a ton. So we're like, okay, like, you know, a lot about prayer. Uh, You should come and speak. So pastor Abu, uh, anyways, the pastor from a church in in London came and he spoke and he was just uh, inviting us to lean in and say that even the disciples who probably knew how to pray, followed Jesus really well. They asked, they asked to be taught how to pray and then talked about the Ezekiel passage about how we might be ankle deep in the presence of God and how that's really great and amazing. And like, um, but God's calling us to go deeper because we still have actually full control over our bodies and our minds. But when you're knee deep, then you're like, that's even more like you're less in control, but you still have control of your cognitive functions and you can still rationalize and figure things out. And like, and then he's like, but the goal is to get to swimming where you're fully yielded to God and you're in a new depth of prayer and trusting and submission to him. And I was just like, okay, like when we're praying about these decisions or these moves, am I trying to figure out what God's doing in my own strength or am I really sitting and waiting for him to build the house and give me instructions on how to do so? So he was saying that about like, yeah, going deeper into the presence of God. And then the other girl was talking about how that river flows out of the temple and as it goes, it makes new the things that it touches. And and she said, are we going to make our homes on the banks where we've seen it touch and bring life already? Or are we going to journey with it towards the Dead Sea, like where we can see it's going towards the Dead Sea? So in faith, we're joining with what God's doing and leaving what we know is life-giving right here. But we know that He's actually bringing life in dry, dead places. And so... There's that theme of stepping away from what's known and safe and really le- leaning in into the wisdom of God uh, and the unknown 
parts of his leadership. It sounds like that resonated with you. So. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it really fits with my circumstance of I yeah. had just left Hamilton. So, and I, I wouldn't say for me, it just felt like that was the yeah, season of like, am I going to stay with this beautiful community uh, that feels safe and good and they encourage me, or am I going to step out into a new thing and trust that God will bring life where, where I go? I think it's always tough when you're in a season because you sometimes are just tempted to either look back at the previous one and just in nostalgia, oh, that was so great back then. Or you're you're saying, oh, I want to get on to this other one. And it can be hard to just accept where you're at, accept what the, the lot that the Lord has given you for now to, to do, to pray, those kinds of things, because it's sometimes we get restless and we're like, oh, I, I want to go do that other thing. And how long am I going to have to be kept here, Lord? I, I really feel that. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we and I think sometimes the nature of the prophetic is that sometimes we can use it to just look forward and not live in the moment, mm. where really it's supposed to strengthen us and give us courage to live in the moment. Uh, Daryl Johnson, who when he does in his teachings of the Beatitudes, he talks about how it's those who can actually restrain, like we're such doers in our culture and like we want to figure things out. We want to go and do and live in what can be. But when those who have the meekness or the restraint to really just stop and enjoy what's before them are the ones that actually here and now get to inherit and enjoy the earth. What you're saying is it's not always about going on to the next thing and this and then moving here and God transitioning me there, but actually just taking the time to look at God and enjoy him where you are or kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just to to look where God has placed you and and being like now focused as well and not just so future focused about what will be. Yeah. And you need to have a balance, right? You need to have a hope for more because that pushes you to not again, just have faith that that the world, we look around, it's broken. We want more, but also to rejoice in what is present and what God is already doing and um, revealing and inviting you into now. I think even that that concept is so key for, for a budding prayer expression, because if you've only been praying for two or three years and there's a word about the 10-year delay, right, then you need to find a way to be comfortable and confident in what the Lord has you at year two and three and four, because if you're going to press in for 10 years, it can't be just about that 10th and 11th year. There has to be friendship with God. There has to be fellowship. There has to be a a place where you're confident in year two and three and four without seeing the promises. There has to be a living in the now um, with the Lord at that time. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to make it to year 10. I just don't think it's possible. No, no, you you do need, like, and that's, I think, where the heart of gratitude also comes in, like, of learning to have eyes to be grateful for the gifts that are before you. So did you get a sense of, of where the 24-7 prayer movement is going? Did they give a little bit of for where they feel the Lord is bringing it in the coming years? I feel like they're always kind of vague. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the unity piece is something that's been talked about. Like, but not like, I guess they like talk about unity or like a lot. There's been a lot of grace uh, and doors opening with different organizations, a lot of pastors and churches, the longer it goes, like it's it's a very trusted organization because they, they well, and it's also quite versatile. It crosses a number of different like creative people, but you could also put like creative people who musicianly, like you can put music music in a prayer room, a 24-7 prayer room, but they also have a lot of tools and and prayer prompts and art that you can do for those who are maybe more on the artistic side, like there's just so many different ways that you can 
morph it to fit different contexts. But I would say, I don't know. I don't know exactly where God is going internationally with all of the different sites. I know that they just continue to want to be the vision is Jesus. That's like one of their like main phrases because it's the start of a poem that Pete Gregg wrote. Like, I think I heard them say for this conference, the vision is still Jesus. Yeah, That's the vision kind of- is still Jesus. So whatever comes, whatever whatever our great ideas, projects we do, we always come back to that reality that the vision is still is Jesus. And Pete always says that we don't pray so that people can be saved. We save people so that they can pray because it's all about them encountering Jesus. Uh, it's all about that encounter. Can you say that again? That's a good line. Uh, we don't pray so that people can be saved. We save people so that they can pray. It's a good one. I like and, that. Yeah. yeah. That's a good t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know if they've made one yet. So, oh. yeah. so <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, you could uh, run with it. There's an opportunity. You've got so many good t-shirt ideas for this podcast. Yeah, I don't if know. If you're one of those creative people who want to express it artistically and glorify God through it, we <laughs> <laughs> we would appreciate your uh, artistic designs. Because we're not. So, Shara, what about you personally? What was your biggest takeaway from being in Belfast? I was just the 24 seven, like even with me moving to Winnipeg and me being in a sense geographically removed from the 24 seven community, I was just reminded again that like 24 seven is home for me. Uh, I came home reinvigorated and just excited about what God is doing uh, and feeling even more so like at peace with whatever's next in the chapter. I also feel really excited about what God's doing in Canada with 24-7. So one of the things, I guess this could fit into themes of what God's doing within 24-7. It's what he's doing within 24-7 Canada, but I've also heard similar stories of unity within Kansas City and their community there as well. But Aaron White, who leads 24-7 Canada, he's talked uh, a lot about like how he's he lives on the downtown east side of Vancouver and has for over, I think, 15 years. Uh, he's like dedicated to serving the poor in that neighborhood. Uh, that's his jam. That's his place. And he talks about how for the last... Well, I don't know if 24-7 Canada has been doing stuff for the whole 20 years that it's been around in here in Canada, but for the duration of 24-7 Canada, they've been really good at praying on the grassroots level of finding like the people on the fringes who want to pray and helping them pray and equip them. But they've really felt uh, God give them a vision for coming around and actually supporting pastors and leaders to pray. And so they've come up with a plan of uh, actually tackling different cities, coming alongside and and caring for and supporting pastors and helping them learn how to pray if they don't, or just support them in their prayer life. And then from there, once the pastors are on board, then discipling their leadership teams using uh, Pete Gregg's prayer course. And then once they do the, the staff, then they'll do the congregants just to do top down instead of bottom up to so that pastors really get the feel the reality that we're there to support them and not to um, steal their sheep, so to speak. But then when they're doing that in cities, they're taking like 10 pastors per city per se. And so then the pastors are supposed to do a retreat together. And so that's building places of connection and uh, friendship. Like often it's friendship that leads to true unity because you actually are friends and care about one another and not just like each other from a distance. I always find it interesting. I know from a historical context that part of the reason Paul wrote um, letters to cities was because there was only a small number of believers in that city. So there was only really one church. But I just find it interesting that there was a church in Rome 
there weren't 10 churches in Rome. There was just the church in Rome. And I think it's it's interesting to try to get back, not exactly to that model, but the idea that all of the pastors in the city would be prayed for. They would all be able to go to a retreat. They'd There would be this idea that there's the church in Winnipeg, like mm-hmm. th- that it would be one church. I just, that really moves my heart because that's what I want to see. I want to see Winnipeg, not that we lose the differences and the uniqueness and and none of that, but, but the idea that all of the churches, people in Winnipeg who go to church would feel they're part of a Winnipeg church. I just, I would love that. Uh That seems like a cool vision. Do you think that's something that they're actually wanting to expand in other cities? Like you said, start in Vancouver. Uh, So their goal for this year is they're doing Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and Hamilton, because that's where they already have relational rapport. Just skipping over Winnipeg. Uh, well, I just moved here. They made the plan before I moved <laughs> okay, here. So year, I don't maybe. know. Uh, and again, those things you, I mean, it could be possible. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, those one, ones they have, they already had, what is it, like the tipping point of amount of people to make the actual, because you have to have so many pastors that have right, actually right. responded to want to be a part of it for it to actually work. So and then they're doing actually, I think the way they're doing the prayer course with the staff is they're actually doing it interdenominationally. And so they're actually, when you're learning and talking about prayer, you're hearing from different perspectives as you're learning about it is the plan. Excellent. Well, this has been a good conversation. Before we close, though, I got another question. For those that didn't get to go to Belfast and join in this awesome gathering, you can probably go to their website and see photos and videos and all that stuff, I'm sure. But... If there is one thing that you would have wanted them to hear, you wish they could be at the gathering in Belfast so that they can hear this one thing, what would that one thing be? Well, you guys would like this. They actually prayed for the release of of writers of songs while yeah. they were there. And they sang, there's actually a song that just came out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, the 24-7 church there called Come On by Brooke. I can't remember her last name, Brooke and Believer's Church. But the song is just a really good anthem that really speaks to the heart of, I think, what 24-7 is about, about commissioning people. Um, and so if you want to look it up on YouTube, it's there or on, yeah, other. Very cool. I'll try to find it in the show notes. So we actually want to have you on again for another episode, just to talk a little bit more about the 24-7 movement and not just Belfast. We kind of got into a little bit of both today, but I think there's a longer conversation there. Uh, but before we end today, it's time for another. Wait, what does that mean? So uh, Brian Nicelater isn't here today, uh, and we're going to really miss his witty commentary. So we're switching the roles up a little bit uh, to, to try to make do. I mean, it's still not going to be the same, but we're going to do our best. So today's word is stage three. Stage three. What, is, what does stage three mean? Well, actually, if you're going to have stage three, you probably have to have stage one, two, and three. Is that correct? Usually, yes. Yes, they do come in in, in an orderly fashion there. So if I was someone walking to the prayer room, and I might have done this actually when I first went to IHOP and I heard them say stage one, two, and three. At first, I thought maybe they had different levels of actual stage that you get to stand on. But then like I noticed that they were all on the same level stage and they're still talking about one, two, and three. So I thought, well, maybe it's your posture in the prayer room. Like when you get visitors into the prayer room, Maybe it's simply stage one is when you're sitting and just you're in the prayer room. It's like, okay, we got them. Stage one, they're in our prayer room. They're sitting. And it's like, it's great to have people in your prayer room. Stage two is when they're actually 
engaging when they're standing, when they're singing. We got them to stage two in our prayer room. That's amazing. If you can get people stage two, like that's excellent. But stage three, man, stage three, if you go to IHOP or any other prayer room, they have rows. And when you're pacing down those rows, when you're pacing, that's stage three. When you can pace, I mean, that's, once you start pacing, you, you're ready for the stage. You're ready to get up there and be an antiphonal singer. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a definition stage there. One, of stage two, one, two, and three. I do think that they're probably referring to stages, like you know, there's stage left, stage right, stage three, potential. Ten, or if you do have different level stages, that could be a you know what different stage tiers. You be on? I'm the bass player, so I'd be with the drummer on the highest stage, whatever that would be. You know, I think the stage three probably it might make a stage four for you. Yeah, it might be four possible. Yeah. So, Jaden, what does stage three actually mean in our context? So in the harp and bowl model, there actually are three different stages. It's broken down into the first one is just uh, is singing worship songs to the Lord. It can be well-known songs, but it's uh, it's more structured in the first stage. And then it goes on to stage two, where we're singing in the spirit. We're singing with uh, with our heavenly song and singing to God. And stage three is when we go into the antiphonal section in the harp and bowl model. And we previously defined that on an earlier uh, episode is where we sing in response to what we see. And it we're, wasn't what Brian said where you're like no phones in the prayer room. It was antiphonal, antiphonal is like responsive singing, right? Mm-hmm. So stage three is where we go to the antiphonal section and we, we respond to what we see in God. And respond to each other, of course. Respond mm-hmm. to the prayer leader, just responding to really anything. Just responding. So do you think that we should have different levels of stages? Would that clarify it? Could, could maybe stage one, everyone's standing on a, on a stage, and then to clarify for the audience, they could move to another stage to, to start stage two, and then stage three could be on a third stage. Like, I think it would clarify a lot of things. I think that could work, but I think if I was a singer, I might always want to stay on, like a, on a certain stage, on like maybe a higher stage or a lower stage. Or you I'm just staying on the higher stage? Maybe. Or alternatively, we could have uh, posters for Johan's stage one, two, and three. You could kind of pick your level of engagement. Are you feeling stage one today? Maybe stage three? Yeah, when I was a EA in the school, we, you know, for those nonverbal kids, they would have to point to what stage level they are, you know, in their attitude sort of thing. Maybe we should have that for, for you know. People. For guests who come in? Guests who come in. How are you feeling? Are you feeling comfortable? Point to a one, <laughs> point to a two, point to a three, you know. No, we won't do that. But anyway, that's stage one, two, and three kind of explained. And if you don't know what harp and bowl model is, maybe we'll save that for another episode. So this has been another episode of the Burning Rooms Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks for coming on, Shira. Really appreciate it. Uh, We're going to have you on for another episode. And if you listeners want to connect with us, uh, you can find us on our website at burningrooms.ca. So if you want to find those links uh, for the books and for 24-7 Prayer, we will put it in the show notes. I think it's 247prayer.ca and 247prayer.com. And there's probably other websites too for other countries, but we'll put those two in the, in the show notes if you want to click and check them out. Uh, until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Jaden. And I'm Shira. And this has been the Burning Rooms Podcast. Burning Rooms Podcast.